This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Let us move it along now. We were just uh, talking about Andre the Reiter and uh, ESCOM. Well, of course, the situation with ESCOM has left many South Africans scrambling for alternatives to keep the lights on. And uh, we recently have uh, heard government announcing um, plans to um, support um, the rollout of uh, solar panels. So um, that means that uh, a lot of more people are going to be looking um, out for that. That opens the gap for all manner of, uh, uh, you know, opportunities, opportunists and even legitimate uh, um, operators uh, who want to play in this space. But how are we to know these solar energy system providers and installers are popping up left, right and center, some even offering leasing solutions to desperate consumers. But what, uh, but, uh, what, what are our rights in this situation? And how do we know that we are getting um, service from a legitimate operator um, and not some um, dodgy uh, operator. Uh, next guest has warned business and individuals to do their due diligence when it comes to selecting a solar panel, solar power installer. PJ Veltaisen is a corporate commercial director of Gillian and Veltaisen Incorporated, and they are specialists in commercial law. Good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, and good morning to your listeners. First of all, I think the, I think the most important thing is that I mean. Who actually is legally um, permitted to install um, these solar panels and uh, the attending for, um, for, uh, equipment that goes with it? Okay, so it's not so much who's entitled to install them, but mm-hmm. it's who's entitled to sign them off. So okay. at, the end of, at the end of an installation, there'll need to be a certificate of compliance by both an electrician and an engineer, a compliance certificate from both of them to confirm that the installation is, uh, meets the, the relevant uh, regulations and standards. But, but I think one needs to go back a step and ascertain uh, who you're getting to install before you even get to that step. So, I mean, you just have to open your Facebook or Instagram these days and you'll see uh, a, a deluge of, of potential installers out there. And the question is, how do you know who they are, whether they were, in fact, last week selling telephone systems or photocopy machines? It's, it's become a salesman's dream list. But really, you need to get behind the sales team and get behind who the, who the installers are, what projects have they done in the past, um, are they regulated and registered with, uh, you know, for example, the South African Photovoltaic Industry Association? Um, will they be providing you with a certificate of compliance at the end of the project? And, and what kind of deal are you entering with them? So is it, a, is it an outright purchase? Or is it some kind of installment sale agreement where they retain the ownership and you only become the owner at the end? Is it a, a lease-to-buy option? Are they discounting the finance to a bank? And that's particularly the, the one I would like people to be aware of. Mm. Because what you can find is you enter into this three- to five-year arrangement with, with, an, with what you think is the installer. Uh, but actually, the, the first order of business, as soon as they're finished installing it, they take your invoice to a bank or to, a, or, or to a, a finance house, and they discount that invoice. So let's say you were paying them 200,000 rand, the, the, the bank would pay them 150 immediately, and you would then have a relationship with the bank to pay them back the 200 plus interest over that period. Now, so far, so good. Until you have a problem and you think, well, I'll just stop paying my monthly installment because 
the, the inverters collapsed, the batteries don't work, etc. But then you find the installers out of the equation. Your relationship with the bank has got nothing to do with it. Uh, the, the system yes. actually works or not. Mm. And that I've seen, I've, I've in fact acted as an arbitrator in matters like that before in different industries. But this is a model that is applied across the board, whether it be for photocopy machines, or whether it be for telephone systems, mm. or car washers, you name it. And one has just got to be very careful on what is the actual agreement and arrangement yeah. that you have with the installer. That said, what am I entitled to when an installer uh, comes to my? Am I entitled to some type of a warranty that uh, this thing is not going to catch fire in a, three weeks after it's installed? Or actually at any given time, what kind of guarantees am I entitled to as a, as a customer? Okay, so so everything comes down to the contract. There's a, there's a, we have a freedom of contract in South Africa as long as something's not against public policy. So it's about what you negotiate. Now, now obviously, you're entitled to good workmanship. You're entitled to quality products. That's in terms of the Consumer Protection Act, if, if that regulates the relationship. So if you're an individual, that would definitely re- regulate the relationship. If you're a business, if you are under the certain thresholds, uh, that the Minister of DTI has, has laid out, they will apply. But you're entitled to, generally speaking, a quality product and good workmanship. But that said, the guarantee will only ever be as good as the install has legs to meet that. So if it's a fly-by-night, you can have a, a lifetime guarantee, which is worthless. So it then behoves the, the consumer to go and do their homework. Where else has this installer installed? Are those people happy? What has their experience been with, with regards to any comebacks? Because we all know, you know, you can buy the most expensive car in the world, but it could have some kind of problem. But if you buy a Bentley and you take it back to Bentley, you can explain a Bentley service and they will fix your car for you. But if you buy from a fly-by-night, what kind of after-sale service are you, are you to expect? And just uh, these arrangements where the lease-to-buy arrangements uh, uh, and those kind of options, uh, how are those regulated then? I mean, does it just come down to an ordinary, uh, to a normal installment kind of transaction that you'd enter with, uh, say, if you were buying uh, furniture on HP or buying a car for that matter on HP? So it, very, very similar. So it could, it could be covered by the National Credit Act. Again, it depends whether it's an individual buying or a business buying. Um, but one, one must look at these agreements. These are, these are complex agreements. These are not things that, that uh, you and I sign every day. It's not, I mean, I know that lease agreements can be complex, but that's something we much more affair with. But a finance agreement is something that you should take advice on, whether it be from your financial advisor, your lawyer, your accountant, but somebody who deals with these type of agreements on a, on a daily or, or, or weekly basis. Otherwise, you're simply buying a pig in a poke. You won't, you won't know what you're getting until something goes wrong. And uh, I don't know how many, of course, when something like this happens, uh, or at least when we get into where there's a demand for a product such as all the solar panels and all of that, when it comes to quality assurance and that sort of thing, and even from a service point of view and from the product point of view, um, who, where does who holds who's held responsible for you know ensure assure, quality assurance as far as that's concerned? Okay, so so again, it depends whether it's mm. an individual buying or a business buying. Mm-hmm. If it's an individual, you've got a much greater uh, set of rights because you're covered then by the Consumer Protection Act, mm-hmm. which means that you have a claim for uh, product quality against anybody in the, what they call the supply chain. So that would be the installer, the manufacturer, 
the wholesaler, the importer, you'd be able to, to go for anybody in that, in that line. And businesses, as I said, if they fall below the, the Consumer Protection Act threshold, they would then also be able to claim like that. But that, that's wonderful in theory because it gives you these rights. But in order to enforce your rights, you need to go and spend money either at, at, uh, at, the, at the various tribunals or in court. And it's simply too expensive. The average person cannot afford legal fees and shouldn't be forced to do that. So it comes down to setting up uh, the, the agreement correctly from the beginning. So are there proper alternative dispute resolution clauses if disputes arise? And I go back to saying, if you're dealing with a reputable uh, installer and a reputable dealer, you're much more likely to be able to resolve your disputes without spending tons of money on and, and unnecessary money, in my view, on, on lawyers uh, and the like to try and protect your rights. And often much of that money will be unrecoverable, so it won't be worth uh, uh, even trying to uh, protect your rights at the end of the day. Fascinating stuff, though. It does sound like uh, we uh, entering into quite a jungle uh, in terms of this. Well, I guess it's like any other new industry. But uh, PJ Feltaisen, thank you very much for coming on and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Have yes, a good sir. day. I think that's a sage advice. You know, be careful um, what you get yourself uh, in for and make sure that you are protected, you know, as a consumer. Um, this ultimately, this is electrical work that is being done. So you have got to make sure that it's being done by, um, you know, somebody suitably qualified and most importantly, that their work afterwards is quality assured and you've got uh, that certificate. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.